And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 91 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. And we're doing this one by ourselves this week. How weird is that? Just Alex and I having a conversation about some comics. That's right. That never, ever happens. That definitely (laughs) has not been happening for the last uh, hour. Hour. Already. (laughs) Or anything, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) At which point we go, oh shit, we should just start recording this. (laughs) And then we realize these are all things that we're not going to actually ever let air on the episode. No, that's true, yeah. We did talk about a lot of stuff that we didn't want to put on the episode. There were... (laughs) Here's a little how the sausage is made. Some, that's how the sausage is made. Sometimes there are things we actively dislike or things that we have more complicated feelings about mm-hmm. that sound more negative than we mean them to be, at least until more of an arc of something happens. And uh, we choose not to put those on the air. Yeah, because you know what? There's enough Everyone to talk about. likes something. Something is liked by everyone. Yeah. And maybe some days we just don't want to don't want to harsh and, th- and there's enough to talk about that we like yeah so we choose to do that so uh much like wasp we tend to focus on the positive yes accentuate the positive there you go. just know that there's at least a lost hour <laughs> they're probably lost days <laughs> well yeah there's that but it's just alex and i this week yep. where we were getting to in some point just the two of us and you know what brian yes we can make it if we try oh, we can can't we yep <laughs> All right, let's hit the ground running because we it. both we both talk a lot. Ice Cream Man number one, oh new God. book from Image. It is okay. So here's the thing: like I didn't pick this up this week or read it ahead of time. This I walked in and says, "Oh, you know what? You should read this and put it in my hands." I'm so so glad he did. <laughs> I actually thought about messaging Brian and being like, "You should check out this book," but I knew if I did that, he'd say, "No, I'm not adding anything." <laughs> I would have said, "No, I'm not adding anything." So I waited and I said, "Hey, while we're getting set up, why don't you uh, why don't you give a perusal through this? Because I wanted to talk about it." I got backlogged. <laughs> there are many tricks in my tool chest. <laughs> no, this is a fantastic book. It is very good. So, it is an anthology series. An anthology, I'm going to say this straight up, anthology series normally get canceled early because they don't sell. Right. And I am imploring you, if you like weird horror type books, if you're a fan of things like, X, not X-Files, although maybe, maybe. <sighs> Um, if you're a fan of things like Twilight Zone, which yeah. is what I meant to say, or Dark or, Shadows, or Night Gallery, or yeah, yeah, I, I told I told Alex after I read it almost reads like a Stephen King short story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't don't tie that to being you know it's like Stephen King, and if you don't like see, I, I mean that in that it is that that self-contained, odd, quirky where there's a character who kind of makes offers or who knows more than anybody else about what's going on type thing. There's an omniscient kind of God figure making mischief. Yes. Or potentially making mischief. Who knows? Right. Yeah. It's all, and it's always ambiguous and un, it's not 100% defined. And I love that. Yeah. But if you like 
if you like that kind of story, if you like horror comics, if you like weird, different sorts of things, please try this out. Yeah. It is something I would like to see keep going. I would too. Like, yeah, give this first issue at yeah. least a try. So every every issue is its own standalone one shot type story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the conversation around it in interviews and uh, solicitations and all that talks about it as being more genre bending than maybe this first issue is. I think the second one they've talked about being like a musical in some way. Okay. And my guess is when they say that, they probably mean as a whole, not each. In, I mean, right, each right, right, individual right, right. issue, you probably could define it or put it into some sort yeah. of genre-ish. And the connective tissue is the the titular ice cream man, ice cream who's this man. supernatural figure who, with a snap of his fingers, can turn a stick into an ice cream cone, two, stoops, two scoops Licking chocolate. Split. Ah, ah. There you go. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I told Alex, one of the things that I really liked about this is it's not just one odd, weird thing going on. Like, you get this story with this kid and something that's going on with him and his parents and that kind of thing. And then, like, just kind of out of the blue, you switch to this police station and somebody's coming in reporting, like, this attack on pets and they're, like, describe a werewolf in the woods, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get this other weird thing that's going. So there's like three or four completely seemingly almost unrelated weird things going on that all, you know, wrap up within this issue. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's a book that includes the phrase lethal erection. So how can you not? (laughs) Venom, the lethal erector. (laughs) Wow. That's accurate. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking of symbiotes now. So Uh, well. Now that comes later in the show. <laughs> yes. The I'm other thinking of how many ways that could be appropriate. I don't. <laughs> yeah. No. The other thing I'd point out is this: this does a thing I always enjoy. I recognize it's its own sort of stylistic decision, uh, but the art of this book is like bright and colorful and yes. suburban, and that makes it all the creepier. Yes. Like, it, it like the art style, like like the the actual art, how the figures are drawn is different, but like the coloring and that kind of almost reminds me of uh, um, Lock and Key. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's that br- those bright colors in kind of a horror-ish type book and it's it has an impact. I actually thought for a moment this was going to take your quote of the week as hard as you were laughing at one point. Oh, did it? Is that the face you just made? No. Okay. No. The face is, I, I forgot to give you a quote of the week. Is it Brian's quote of the week? Yeah, it's Brian's quote of the week. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Do we want to act this one out? Uh, maybe I don't have the. I hey, kid, what's your name? Byron. Fuck you, Byron. <laughs> I did love that. Like I read that out loud too, Alex. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> like this is like to get the full point. Yep, this is the police detective mm-hmm. who is coming to interview and find out what happened to this kid's parents. And so, like, all this stuff happens. And at the end, she's like, oh, kid, you all right? Because he's being a dick. He's being a little shit. He is. is. She's like, are you all right? Yeah, yeah. By the way, kid, what's your name? Byron. Fuck you, Byron. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is Mike as a detective. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is is a very accurate statement. (laughs) I love it. I'm so on board for this book. And we've talked before, because we do our horror episode every year. We do. And the thing we always say is horror comics read so well in trade. But that's why we kind of save it for that, because you get the full story arc, you get suspension building consistently, yep. you don't have like 
a month to come down from whatever happens. At you the end do of the not issue. have to worry about that in this because it's an anthology. It's like yes. the perfect format for it's this. Wonderful. Yes. So yes. highest recommendation. Indeed, and and I can almost guarantee you this will be on the Halloween episode yeah. as well. Yeah. I also think I read on Twitter that the first issue has sold out at the distributor and is getting a second printing already. Ooh, so nice. it is it is doing okay. I'm for a, super glad for that. an anthology yeah. book at least. So right. check it out. Next up, let's do Aquaman number thirty-two. Ooh, Aquaman, the Crown will Fall. So here's the thing. I thought Alex was like, "Do we want to talk about this or put it in stock?" And I was like, "You know what? I could talk about this." just for that variant cover (laughs) i know i said this earlier when we were talking about it but and i don't know that this is actually literally what is going on but i I get this i think it might well be (laughs) because i get this impression that because josh middleton's done the variants Mm -hmm. for this book since the beginning and they've been consistently gorgeous up and still step on shake took over like i was always buying his variant for this book right and now I feel like the two of them have to be in some sort of escalating art war with each other <laughs> to see who can outdo the other on just beautiful, expressive variants. Yeah, yeah. Because so I, I I picked up the the main just because it's Stepan Chedjic and I want yeah. all of the Stepan Chedjic covers, right? Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I looked at the guy and I was like, I don't I don't know how I'm going to decide. I, I just bought both because I could not not have that Mara cover. Yeah. It is. It, it's it is my favorite cover this week. I will say hands yeah, down. It's, yeah, it is gorgeous. Uh, now, as for in said, the book, <laughs> I was going to say. Now that being said, let's talk about what happened in yeah. the book. I will lead off with this. I thoroughly enjoyed this issue. I'm still loving this story. Mm-hmm. I do have one one thing that bugged me in this issue a little bit, and we've seen for months now Mara being a complete and utter badass. Yeah, like taking on the Justice League. Like being the kind of badass she's supposed to be. Yes. And this issue like sidelines her in this way that I don't... Narratively it is explained, but I don't buy it still. Like I don't... I don't see this character just sitting by and letting Arthur go fight on her behalf. Especially given what's at stake, what's at stake and and the decisions that are made in this book, yeah. in this issue. Yeah, I don't see her letting those decisions get made and then sitting by to let them happen. Yeah. I also, I don't appreciate that whatever did sideline her. Like That happened off-panel between issues, didn't it? We didn't even ever see that happen, right? Um... She was attacking the crown. She got through the crown and like she passes out or something. It was, and then it she was shows her going up. through the crown of thorns that did this. Okay. That was, yeah. that's all it but, was. Yeah. That's all it was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because Tempest tells her, you know, I, I, this should work. I think it will work, but I don't know. And yeah, her going, getting through the crown is what caused this. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. I was a little vague on whether it was just that or someone did. Oh, no, 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 no. It like was just, side, it was just know. that. Okay. It also, in the course of this, uh, gets back to the prophecy we heard way yeah. back. Like, this whole arc has, in a lot of ways, been dealing with that. But when the crown will fall, the foreign queen will rise, mm-hmm. or whatever that. We are seeing very explicitly how that is coming to bear. Which is not surprising, given that in March we have Mara, Queen of Atlantis, number one, coming out. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm all about that. 
Um, I think my favorite shot in this issue, my favorite panel in this issue, was her with the whole Justice League, that like half page of oh, all yeah. of them, yeah, like, uh, like her going, yeah. And by the together. way, yeah, I've been working with the Justice League for a year yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know who? You know what else I love? I love this priestess class. Uh huh. In in Atlanta, like they need to stay a big yeah. part of Atlantis and what's going on. Like, yeah, they add a lot of good. I mean, I can't imagine them just going too. away. Yeah, no, I can't either. But, like, uh, here's the thing. Like, they've got all the good things. Like, they've got, obviously, the whole control that religion potentially can have, mm-hmm. right? That kind of thing. They also have their spies and undercover agents. That yeah. So, I mean, it really is a very almost medieval Catholic church-type well, feel to it. I feel like Abnett is... Almost like smile and wink playing up some Game of Thrones references throughout this. Like, even the cover, the regular cover, says A Clash of Kings on Right, it. yes, yeah, it does. But that's what this priestess class reminds me of a little bit, is like some sort of, if you were to merge Varus and Littlefinger into a single group, or maybe mer- maybe merge uh, Varus and the, Ma- the Meisters oh, yeah. into their own sort okay. of entity. Yeah. Uh, sort of Regard- magical um, advisor and also spy master. Yes, class. I, I, I regard. I love this. Yeah, this addition to Atlantis. Oh, I think and, it's great. Yeah. It fleshes yeah. out the mythology. That's of that's so kind of what I mean. It really gives a lot of extra texture to Atlantis and makes yeah. it more interesting. And yes, absolutely. It stops. It's and that's what this whole I think from Underworld on has done is it stopped treating Atlantis as. A prize is like a trophy to be won, the yep. ball to be, you know, the ball that you want to still control of. Yes. To being this living, breathing entity that works on its own and is going to do something no matter who has it. So you're fighting to control it, to move it in the right direction. It, you get the, the the whole Ninth Tribe thing with like this lower class, lower mm-hmm. kind of almost slummish type section. And I know and some of these elements like that have existed they longer. Have. They've, they've, the Abnett's been teasing them out, but I feel like in the last... Right. Eight, ten issues, they've really sort of coalesced into being something solid. Agreed, agreed. And I honestly, I'm hoping that that is, this is all kind of culminating in what's going to be Mara Queen of Atlantis, right? I I mean, it's got to. That's the logical extension of what we know. Yes. And I I love that, by the way. I I like the whole whole bit she's got in this about, because... I don't. I don't necessarily like the way she's silent. I like the role she takes, though. After that, mm-hmm. where her response to Arthur is, "No, neither of us wants this, and that's why we have to do it." Right. Anyone who wants this power should be denied this power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the 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 desire to have this power should automatically disqualify disqualify you, you from having this power. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I love the the, pre, the high priestess's comment of Arthur's. You know, no, we just need to do that. And she's like, "Well, first of all, fuck you. It's not your decision to make. Yeah, it's hers." So yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there are perhaps certain political parallels in the real world in the U.S. you could draw from this book uh, potentially. And here's the thing: you talk about you know Atlantis as a prize or that kind of thing. I think that is. The whole thing with the current King Wrath, the yeah. current King, and Arthur. And it's one of those things that I, I think 
all of Atlantis and certainly this priest all feels like they all have done. Yeah. Well, I think I and, think there's a there are right. shades of difference. Like Arthur, oh, sure, it's this sure, familial sure, sure, obligation. Sure. Right. To Mara, it is no. This is why royalty. Exists. We have to answer this call. Right. I was brought up in the court. I was raised in the court. This is like the function we serve in society is to stand up and this is our duty. Yeah. Yeah. Do the duty. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we said that duty. Would go. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you might. I will not. There you go. Batman. Number 39. God, don't we talk about Batman every week? Yeah. Do you know why we talk about Batman every week? Because I say, can we still get this one? And Brian goes, no, let's nope. talk about it. You know why I say that? Because it's so fucking good. You're saying it's still good? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I'm saying it's amazing. Okay, so we start a new arc in this one. You just want to talk about Batburger again, and I know it. About what? Batburger again. Batburger. I know, I do want to talk about Batburger, because Batburger is awesome. And the fact that Catwoman would take him to Batburger. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, go back to the beginning. Alright, so go back to you the off. So this is the, uh, the, the premise of this is um, at one point in time, and I don't know this story, but uh, at one point in time, apparently Batman and Wonder Woman went into this other dimension. I was going to ask you if you knew this one. Because you know what? It sounds like a very Grant Morrison it thing. It does sound a bit like a Grant It Morrison sounds like thing. something that would have happened in his JLA run. So um, they And they came across this person called the Gentleman. Who basically fights a never-ending battle against a horde of demons. That if he is not there to fight and battle against will break through yeah. to our reality and et cetera, et cetera. The demons represent right. everyone's sins, and because sin is infinite, so too are the demons. Correct. So he just eternally fights them off. Yes. Well, so when they were there, they made an offer to him that if he wanted to take a day and come back to the world, they would stand in his stead yeah. and fight the demons so that he basically could have a, a, a day of vacation. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, essentially is what it is. So his once every 6,000 years, whatever it is. Right. So they, uh, uh, it starts off with wonder woman going, which I love this too. Yes. (laughs) So wonder woman goes to the police headquarters in Gotham city and turns on the the bat signal. How many memos am I going to have to send out that no one but me is allowed to touch that thing? (laughs) And commissioner Gordon loses his shit. How many times? Who's doing this? God damn it. Blah, blah, blah. Goes up and it's wonder woman. (laughs) And he's like, hi, miss woman. (laughs) Wonder Wonder woman. Woman? Yes. Uh, She's like, I I, I wanted to use the signal to call him. And he's like, "Oh, Oh, okay. Well, he should be here soon. Yeah, he's behind you. <laughs> of course he is. So Batman goes, you know, you could have just used the JLA communicator. She's like, I know, but I wanted to try the bat signal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the most. That is very good. I, 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 don't get me wrong. I love this issue. Oh, it's so great. So, okay. So regardless, so Batman and Wonder Woman try and go to the place where this is occurring and go into yeah. the, and allow him to come get back to out. Gehenna, right, and allow him to come back to our world. Um, and Selena is there to meet him, and like you know, you're glossing it. over the most important part of this. What's that? that? Is how ridiculous Batman looks in his armor. <laughs> Batman puts on this like dark knight, like medieval, medieval knight armor. Yes, yes, 
And like Batman is in his Dark Souls role play <laughs> yeah. cosplay costume, and and Selena laughs at him, and and Wonder Woman's like, "No, no, you look good." He's like, "No, I don't." She's like, "Okay, no, you don't." But still, <laughs> all men look ridiculous with your swords and armor. They just don't suit you. Oh, I, I, I did like that. Yeah. Her comment of men just look stupid fighting. That's why you shouldn't do it. <laughs> Um, regardless, they get, well, and it's pretty awesome. Cause then, you know, basically it cuts to them in Gehenna yeah. and battling and they're like just ripping through demons and da da da. And like, there's literally this horde of demons and they're fighting. She's like, you know what? No, you look really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As he's ripping through. And I, I, the other thing that I loved was there's a point where before he goes, he's talking to Selena and she's like, why are you doing this? You know, he's like, well, we made this promise and et cetera, et cetera. She's like, wouldn't this be a job better for like Superman or something? He's like, well, it doesn't work that way there. Their fighting skill is more important than strength. Because magic. Because magic, right. Yeah. So it actually being able to fight is far more important. And Wonder Woman and I have a big advantage in him. over. And I'm yeah. like, thank you. Thank you, someone, for actually. And I realize that Which Superman, is actually an idea that we'll talk about again in another book we this will. week. We will. Um, it, yeah. So my, my me saying that is not to say that Superman can't fight at all or like doesn't have any fighting skills yeah. but he is not batman and wonder woman no right that's my yeah right which is a fair and accurate statement yeah like so she was raised by warrior society and he's a dude who fights with gods <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway so he comes out and selena basically is there to kind of greet him and and like you know provide him some normal clothes and that kind of stuff yeah. and then like she takes him around like takes him to batburger which is Amazing, mm-hmm. as always, because that is the best. I didn't look to see if he got his fries jokerized. I did or not. not look either. I sh- we should do that. Um, but yeah, and then so she's basically, and then at some point during the day, she finds out that time moves differently. Yeah, he's been gone a year, and that was thousands of years for him. Yes, and in the Gehenna. Hour of years that yes, yeah, or hour the that, hours the hours a few hours yes. Uh, Batman and Diana have been there. See how I did that? Batman and Diana. I did. Uh, yes. <laughs> it just happens unconsciously. Yeah. Um, in the time they've been there, it has been years for them. Yes. So right, and and that's basically what she finds out. She's like, well, wait, it, but they've been there for hours now. How long has it been for them? Y- years. Yeah. So that kind of freaks her out. But then then we get to the end, which... What happens when you're alone with a with only one other person for that long and... You only have each other. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that last panel's a fake out. They're not actually gonna... It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's there to get people talking. It's not gonna happen. I, I, I do like the... Even if it doesn't happen, which is... I'm, I'm actually probably well, prefer that I don't happened. want it to happen and I'm a little mad at Tom King for making me not want it to happen because I am normally pro Batman and Wonder Woman okay alright but I like that he acknowledges that you're gonna think about it kind of you know yeah. what I mean like it's gonna that that is that question is gonna be there yeah regardless of whether or not anything actually does happen. yeah yes especially when Wonder Woman is fond of your pointy ears <laughs> You, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They nobody don't like Wonder Woman. So <laughs> she's like Sarah Lee, Whew. especially uh, especially after her bathing in that waterfall thing. 
Okay. I mean, she's wearing her whole outfit yeah. all the time. But yeah, just... Which you'd think eventually would have to change. wet hair, I guess. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Batman and Wonder Woman in magical places fighting the hordes, Trinity number 17. Now with 100% more Superman. Now with 100%. Relative to Batman. Relative to Batman, you're exactly right. Um, yeah. Alex did not know this about me before. before This is an issue I've been super excited for because it's James Robinson and Patrick Zerker working together. Zerker, Zerker. I don't know if that's a hard or a soft ch. So I just alternate between them. Okay, that's cool. I've been excited for them working together. Like, since before they announced this would be it, just whatever they were doing, I'm like, yes, that's a good pairing. I want to see that happen. Uh huh. Go. And this was, so I've been super excited for it just because of who's doing it. Right. I did not expect Brian to be even more excited than me. Yeah. So if you look at the cover of this, you will see Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman. Uh, fighting dinosaurs? Fighting dinosaurs. That's the variant, but it's a very good variant. I guess a, it's the one I got. It's yes. the one I got, too. Um, and if you know anything about the DC Universe, there's really only one place that they would that you can go to fight dinosaurs. That island from DC, the New Frontier, that the, they went to in Superman earlier no, in Rebirth? No, there's, there's that one. Fine. There's two places you can go to fight <laughs> dinosaurs. In. Jurassic Park? chaos theory um no um, no uh scartarus oh oh yeah that's that's or is it scataris i I always say scataris do you always i've always said scartarus you say scataris i say scar that doesn't really scan in that song very well okay let's not do that let's call Um, the whole thing off Wow, <laughs> that was bad, even for you, sir. That was I mean, average I, for me. I, I, I will acknowledge it because it was that was. And take a drink because musical theater. Oh, there you go. Mm. Um, yeah, but I'm a really, really big fan <laughs> of of certain characters that exist in that in that world. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, they go to in the, the premise of this is. Batman and Superman agree to help Diana. See how did that? Yeah. Uh, go find the mascara. Yes. Which, if you're reading Wonder Woman, which James Robinson is writing, this right. is also James Robinson writing. So you might want to jump on this just for that connection too. Yeah. So basically, they're going out and scanning, and Batman's using his all of his sensors and the Bat Plane, and Superman's using all of his abilities to try to see and detect stuff and. They find something, they're not mm-hmm. sure what, and they go to investigate, and it turns out to be some sort of portal. A whirlpool in the ocean. Yeah, and there's a ship that's being kind of sucked into it, so they go down to Wonder Woman and Superman go down to that, and it turns out the portal is obviously magical, mm-hmm. which then begins to affect Superman. Yeah, he so, can't pull the boat out, right. he starts to slip. Yeah, so essentially Batman goes in to try to save them, and all of them end up being sucked into this portal. To quote Plucky Duck, or paraphrase Plucky Duck, Trinity go down the hole. <laughs> and yeah, they show up in this world, and there is a, there's an, a Blackbird SR-71 uh, that's uh, dangling. And I, like as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I know where this is, I know where it's going, and that was so bad. So, going into this issue, did you know that it was going to be them in Scarters? No. Okay. No. Not until I, when I saw the cover, I was like, "That's where this got to okay. be." Yeah, because I I don't know what it is. I read. I it may, it may have just been the two of them talking, Robinson and Zercher talking on yeah. Twitter. 
I knew this was a Skardis issue. Like, I was tweeting earlier this week about this being a Skardis, and then, oh, that's the big reveal. Oops. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and because they're here, which I did not realize this, Superman does not have his powers in Skardis. No, he yeah. does not. And Wonder Woman's blind. And Wonder Woman is blind. Which, which does was, not slow her down. Not even a little bit. I love that. Um, yeah, so they are all... I guess kind of uh, Batman's not really handicapped but he no. doesn't have superpowers anyway so right. he talks about I, I, and I the other thing that I like that happens in this is there are three different colored yeah well the whole issue and okay. I want to talk about this okay I want to talk about this the whole issue is framed in I guess after the fact someone is interviewing them about what happened yes. individually yeah and I want to talk about that, and that gets into it gets into why they've got three different colors of thought bubble, thought block, uh, editorial yeah. comment narration. How's yeah, that? narration blocks. The first page of this is like all three of them, each in the same room, and there's so much like physicality and posture and expression that so completely differentiates how each of them responds to yes. being interrogated and. Yeah being asked to have or told to have this conversation. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like like Wonder Woman's just sitting in the chair calmly answering these questions. Yep. Uh, Superman is standing at the chair, but like facing and, you know, completely open. Batman is literally in the corner with his cape drawn around him, mm-hmm. like trying to be as unnoticeable as possible. And I, I like the idea, because I think it's easy to... Here's our Trinity book, and these are the three big heroes, and they can all do anything they want, and they're all, you know, each of them has their little personality quirks that make them different. I like that this arc is leading with the differences first. Mm -hmm. These are three distinct people, and going from there. And so each of and the, the so we'll go back to they have these three different colored narration mm-hmm. panels throughout the whole book, and they're obviously they're color coded to who's speaking. Right. Yeah. The the blue ones are Superman, the red ones are Wonder Woman, and the black ones are Batman. Man, in that black because he is the knight. Right. Um. But and there's it's wonderful because it goes from them talking about what ha- was happening to them making comments about the other two. Uh, you know, appreciative comments or, or like just insights that how they feel about the other person. Mm-hmm. But the way that that's all mixed together tells a really, really cool yeah. story. Well, and they do what I think of as the Archer thing. And I know it's not just an Archer thing, but Archer does it so well that mm-hmm. I give it ownership where they'll finish each other's sentences by segueing into a new thought. Yeah. And that is a thing that I always dig just because it's such a concise way to move things along and to keep things flowing and it can be legitimately very funny so i dug this i'm on board for the rest of this arc yeah but this goes back to the comment that we made really anything these two do together oh yeah uh that we made when we were talking about uh uh, the batman book where superman doesn't have his powers and batman specifically makes a comment that says something about superman did a great job of reminding me that even without his powers he still deserves the name Yeah. yeah Yeah. So, like, I, I never say Superman can't fight without his powers. Yeah. He's just not a trained warrior like yeah. Batman. Yeah. I think it's cool that these two books came out on the same week and you kind of see both I, sides yes, of that argument. I do. I love it. I I'm, love that. Maybe I'm not giving people enough credit. I assume that was more coincidence than planned. I would, I would have thought so, yeah. But it's yeah. still super cool. But, yeah, Wonder Woman knows where they are. 
Yes. And she, she then lets them know, yeah, what, this is Scarter. And it's a beautiful, huge double-page spread of, you know, like a sprawling vista mm-hmm. of, of Scarterus. And then we turn for the final page. Do we need to call spoilers? Or is it... We're in Scarterus. If this character what? didn't show up, you'd ask <laughs> for your money back. Warlord shows up. And I am a huge Warlord fan. <laughs> and I was so, so... Like, as soon as he got... Like, I, I figured, I was like, okay, yeah. they have to at least reference him, even if he's not in the book, right? Can you have a book in Scarterus and him not be in it? You know what? That would be really cool, actually. Like you, like I said, you could reference him. Yeah, I guess. Here's the thing. Like, uh, as a... But like you couldn't make that last. Like, you couldn't have the whole yeah. thing happen. But, but like, you know, someone passing through or someone... Somehow ending, whatever, anyway. But, yeah, so Warlord shows up. And I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were into Warlord I'm a big that Warlord fan. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It, it, and a lot of, I'll be honest, a lot of it is nostalgia. Like, I got into Warlord at just the right time. Like, when I was super into high fantasy stories. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, I think I have, I think I have every single issue of the Warlord. Nice. Yeah, like from one through, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Super Sons number 12? Super Sons. Hang on one second. <coughs> this is the end, the finale, of the Sons of Tomorrow story arc that ran through this and Superman and Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we... And it's, honestly, it's almost more wrap-up than it is. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, we're going to move the ball for these three books. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to advance them. Sort of like that last issue of Lazarus Contract. Lazarus Contract, right. I enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did have a little discussion about this ahead of time. Yeah. There are some things not even necessarily with this book. No, it's... Well, the conversation we had right. goes back to one that we had last week about how the Justice League's involvement in Titans felt strange to us. Because of looking at what's going on in Justice League and looking at what's going on in Titans, it seems at best disingenuous and at worst just completely hypocritical of the League to come in and just put the kibosh on the Titans the way they did. Yeah. This issue sees the League, at least Superman, and the League go with it. Yeah. Mm. This issue sees the League... Invite the tight the Teen Titans up to use their conference room while they rebuild the tower, and give them like literally give them all seats at the table they plan at and let them have their meeting there and talk about things, which in a vacuum, I'm totally cool with. Now I know we differ a little on that. Well, there's a reason, but we'll, I'm going to get yeah. to that in a moment. Yeah. Um, and I want to say up front, like I really dug this issue. I liked it a lot. It's. I think one of the strongest issues in this whole arc for me. I like the idea of them saying, okay, we're going to provide you guys a place and maybe a little supervision and let you guys have all the resources and opportunity you need to flourish. Even though we don't necessarily have a lot of direct connections to your team. Which then is really incongruous to me when you go back and look at Titans last week and say, well, you guys are our former sidekicks, but fuck you all. Yeah. You guys are idiots. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very strange dichotomy. I even looked and like both of these issues came out of the same editorial office. 
And it's really weird to me that, like, I get, you know, writers are picking the stories they're, they're, yeah. they're telling and editors only really are going to go so far in nixing something. But this seems like a thing where you want to have a little, I don't know, it's just, and it's, it's even, weird to see them. It's super weird between those two books. It's even more strange when you look at what's going on in Justice League right now. Yeah, well, like, yeah. that makes it well, even and it's, weirder. Justice League, at least, is a different editorial. I, I get that. And like, like I said, and I, I, I don't expect everything to sync up across right. all the books all the time. And especially but right now when feels, you've got so many different books that like are in different places right. chronologically. Not everything that's happening right now can be going on right. at the same time. But this feels especially just poorly Jarring. Done. Yeah. Poor, poor choice in 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 these two yeah. drastically different. Now, that being said, you mentioned how you were fine with this kind of in a vacuum. Yeah, I'm not, and there's a very specific reason I'm not. And if you go back and listen to the when Teen Titans came out, it was a question that I had then. And actually, when like three or four issues ago, when this character like was made leader of the team for yeah right five minutes apparently yeah i guess yeah i'm very up this whole thing with the justice league coming in and saying oh yeah you guys should come up here and do this it's like does anybody not realize that starfire is on this team like and is and is an adult yeah like and it's one of the concerns i've had with this book the whole time is like she is not being made a, a mentor to these teens who, like, is that not what her role in this was supposed to be? She's literally, she is treated just like another 14 or 15 year old on this team. Yeah, and I think I think it comes from a place of DC maybe wanting to let people forget some of her more recent continuity, some of the New yeah. 52 stuff. I don't know that that's the case, but yeah. I... I presume that they're kind of leaning into the fuzziness of rebirth and all the continuity changes to kind of allow it through that. It still doesn't. I still don't but think it entirely makes or, it dismissible. There's, there's a couple of comments that have been made, and I can't remember if it's this book or it was in this story, whatever, that specifically say something about her time with Red Hood. Yeah. Or maybe it was in Red Hood. I, I don't remember. Yeah. No, there definitely have been those connections. I then do like, think. So, like, you're. Saying that this is the same Starfire that was in that book. And let me tell you, that character was very, very different than a 14 or 15 year old girl. Yeah. Well, and she's definitely not a 14 or 15 year old girl. There's but no question. She is the old. She right? is. Yeah. And that is weird. That is not something I bumped into just because I wasn't thinking about it. Because at the end of the day, this was also still a Super Sons issue. And right. it was more about Damien and John than any of them. Yeah. Than any of the Titans. But it was strange. I will. I will grant you. Going back and think about it, it is yeah. strange. I, I, and I would love to ask Ben Person, like, what is, what do you see? What is what is her role supposed to be in this team? Yeah, and and maybe quite honestly, that's kind of a question that they ask the team. The Titans end up basically at the end of this asking themselves: Is okay, we need to figure out who the hell we are. Yeah, and what we're going to be, if anything, going forward, right? Well, and I and wonder, maybe that's maybe answering, maybe creating what her role truly is as part of that. And I don't know. I, w- I wish somebody DC would define who they want Starfire to be, I guess. is That would be helpful. I, I also wonder, going back a little bit to, I don't think the Titans comic is or has been 
bad, but it is not what I have wanted it to be. I will agree with that. It's been darker. It's, it's been more anxious. It's been more It shows signs of it, quite honestly. It's shown some signs of it. The the whole Bumblebee memory, mm-hmm. I, like I'm fine. I was fine with that. That felt kind sure. of like an old Titan story, and that was great. All of the it it seems like they want to make it a CW show. A little bit, yeah. These characters should not be that anymore. Well, and here's here's what I'm wondering with that team in flux, and at least as far as the Teen Titans on internal dialogue is going, saying you know we need to figure out who we are, what we're doing, why what we are as a team. I wonder if maybe they're not moving towards some sort of reformation of these teams and either different different configurations or different mission statements or you know some some sort of clarification beyond what right now it seems to be like these are the legacy characters and these are not because even I mean some of the Titans I guess are legacy characters but their books never about legacy really right. I'm not going anywhere on Titans, uh, or on Teen Titans, and I liked this issue. Like, I, I came away from having really enjoyed it. I do think that there is some murkiness between the two books that doesn't doesn't add up for me, and I'm curious to see if that's intentional and they're going to resolve it, or if it's... I'll tell you what both of these books kind of have a feel like to me. They almost both feel like they just ended their season... Like, a, they're a TV show that ended season one. Yeah. And you know how a TV show after season one kind of figures out what it really is yeah i feel like both of these books are kind of at that point they both now need to figure out what they really are well and that's an interesting thought to me structurally because i very and we even talked about after i think issue 18 of titans i felt that way at the same time like i also have the we also have knowledge of the fact that when rebirth started all the writers were told pitch two years of story oh yeah so in theory, there are like six more issues of whatever that first pitch of Titans was, and six more issues, eight more issues of whatever that pitch of Teen Titans Teen Titans was. Like that's part of why I wonder if it's coming to some sort of reconfiguration because we're getting close to. Well, I agree with you that yeah. they kind of feel like they're at that that seat end of season right. one point. They're also getting close to a point where either the writers on them need to have new plans for each going on, and it's just coincidence that they both feel a little up in the air. Right. Or they actually are coming to a close of some kind of story and will end up in the air. I don't know what the answer to that is. Which also makes me wonder if, is there a reason that they introduced Connor and Cassie and Bart? Well, and I wonder about that, because this is not the first book Connor, in fact, Connor was mentioned in... Detective, Detect, right? Yes. When future Tim Tim showed up there, and he asked present Tim, "Where's Connor? Is Connor okay?" And present Tim had never heard of Connor, right? Which all is another reason maybe to think something's about to happen. Maybe, and maybe it takes as long as until Doomsday Clock is done and time catches up to where that book's happening. Yeah. But it makes me wonder if something is going to happen to bring in more of these old characters who just don't seem to even exist well, in this and, continuity. And Beast Boy makes a comment in this about Cassandra. Wait, I think I know who she is. Well, but there's a reason for that. Okay. Cassie Sandsmark was in the new 52 Teen Titans. I think that's just, that looks like an older person of some, older version of uh, someone so I So maybe he's, he hasn't put the yeah. two together who they are. Right. I gotcha. Oh, but come on, two would wonder, like... I know. (laughs) 
I'm not saying it's now that. But mean, that I also that don't know. Said, I don't remember. Damn that was, grown up Cassie. <laughs> I don't remember if Beast Boy was on the Titan or on the Teen Titans yet at that point. I can't remember when he came out because he was. I think he was introduced in Ravagers because there was a was that what it was called Ravagers? Is there a Wild Storm team that was the Ravagers? Sounds right. In like eight months into the New Fifty Two, they had their first wave of new books, and one of them was yes, he was introduced in this because um, it spun out of there was a crossover between like Teen Titans and one of the Superboy. I think it was Teen Titans and Superboy, Superboy. and. One or two other books that kind of was the end of their first set of stories. And it spun out this Ravagers book that was a combination of Teen Titans characters and some of the younger Wildstorm characters. Because it was back when DC was still trying to fold all the Wildstorm characters into continuity. He came in that, so he might not have actually been on the team at the same time as Cassie. Okay. Or it may have been brief. Right, right. Because when Ravagers was canceled, I think, was when he moved over to Teen Titans. So I think they kind of like maybe passing ships. Yeah, yeah. I left Teen Titans. I dropped Teen Titans at that point, so I don't know for sure. But I think if they were on the team together, it was probably briefly. So that's probably another reason why he, like, I think I know that girl. She looks familiar. Could be, could be. But she definitely was in New 52. New 52 Titans. You're right. I know that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, she's one of the ones that Tim Drake went and recruited, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. She had that armor that tortured her whenever she used her powers Something, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, she was like stealing cars and well, because they were they they were basically kind of being targeted and hunted to yeah. start that episode. Yeah, ish, those series. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know what, Super Sons still good. Yeah, I'm I'm not going anywhere on Super Sons. No, I'm like not it. either. Uh, I, I still I I do love this John Damian dynamic. Yeah. I, I still yeah, and I I. It's a very this this is a very kind of heartbreaking issue for John too. A little bit, little bit. but then Damien comes back at the end and like they do they they're a little they grow a little closer together. They're a little stronger as friends. Like it's a little. Yeah. That's only maybe ten percent of his condescending as it sounded. <laughs> it's not even that. It was adorable. Okay, well while we're on conversations about strange continuity leaps and jumps and backflips. Although actually, I'll say one other thing by way of by way of bridging the conversation. There is a Marvel character who I halfway expected just to show up and greet Tim in the middle of nowhere. Like Gwynpool could have walked into oh, yeah. that panel, yes, and been like, "Yo, Tim, let me tell you what is up, my boy." <laughs> God, can you imagine Gwynpool on the Titans? <laughs> yes, that would be so crazy good. Um, I don't need a big company wide crossover, but at some point I just need Gwynpool. Just, it, just Gwynpool. That character makes ridiculous amounts of sense to be the one that does it. Yeah. Just because like she's read, you know, she's read all the DC stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And also this is going to be me trying for a called shot. I think Tim will be back mm. and Tim will be back with future booster gold who is wave rider now. As, as sort of a new time... Yes. I think some event in time is going to happen. Yeah. And we haven't seen the Wave Rider version of Booster Gold back. It was a thing that happened yeah. in one of those weekly event books that have bled together in my mind. Oh, what was that one that DC did while they moved? The Convergence. I think oh, that was in Convergence. Because okay. there were two boosters and... Past Booster is the one who I think we're seeing now in action, but right. Future Booster ascended to become the Wave Rider. 
And we have not seen him since. Okay. Speaking of books that Gwynpool could just waltz into. Uh, yes, she could. Avengers number 676. No Surrender Part 2. The Secret History of Voyager. Voyager. That's her name. Yes. Which... Valerie that, Victor. That would be... So it would be so great because Gwen would walk in and be like, what the fuck is going on? This is yeah. not how this works. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, here's the thing. So we talked last week about who... You know, how this character... Or stories progress. That this is a character that, while not an written... You know, we don't know who the hell she is. Like... She is a fa- now in this at least a founding member of the Avengers. Yes, right? and uh, I'm going to call light spoilers just right away because there's no way to talk about the contents oh, yeah, of this fair book. Enough, but fair enough, fair enough. at the same time, like this is, they get the explanation of where she comes from out of the way early, and I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And light spoilers. Well, wait, when you say explanation, <laughs> what like, like how of, how we don't know her, but they do. Right. Um, where she's been, basically. Yes. Yeah. Not. Well, also the how we how they know her, but we don't. That is addressed in this too. Oh, you're fa- okay. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Light spoilers. So at some point, she was basically ripped from existence, and in being ripped from existence, was ripped from everyone's memory. Right. And I want to say there is precedent for this in Marvel books. There was a character who it's one of my favorite moments of Dan Slott's She Hulk run. She Hulk is on trial for messing with the time stream. And if she is found guilty, she will be wiped from everyone, from having existed, from everyone's memory, from reality, from all that. Just the way that, mm-hmm. that accidentally um, Voyager has been. I keep wanting to call her Vicky Vale. I know. It's the double V name. It's the V's. Like Valeria, Vicky, Victor, Vicky Vale? No. No. Voyager. Voyager. Uh... But there was a character who he who, who Slot introduced for an issue of that, just for the trial, who everyone knew and loved, who then gets zapped with this ray, who was never in an issue before that and has never shown up in an issue after that, who just existed. For, and that was the whole joke, was he existed just to get wiped from everyone's minds. And this reminds me so much of that, that I don't remember that character's name, but I hope of course that you character shows Nobody does. Exactly. <laughs> I really want that character to show back up in the course of this, too, just as a nod. But there, there's precedent for this exact kind of thing. Okay. For, for being so erased from existence that you're forgotten. I love, so they, they get, one of the things, that, you know, the characters start talking about how how they remember her, right? Mm-hmm. And they do these old panels of her in, it, like, they're drawn in the old adventure style. Yeah. Like and, they do specific milestone issues that are recognizable. And, like... They, so like they're like, but you were a founding member of the team, and there's the editorial asterisk that says in Avengers number one, of course. Like there's the callbacks to what yeah. issues they were that she was in, but of course she wasn't actually in them. She's the one who gets to say, but if you look at him, you'll see even a robot can cry. Yes, yeah. And then there's the, what was what's the one where uh, there, there's one that looks, I swear it looks just like a Jack Kirby drawing. Oh yeah, with her in it doing the, and I'm like, that is so beautiful. Like, I love how they've integrated her yeah. into this. Well, it's, I mean, it's what you expect though, given the writers on it. Like, you've got Mark uh, Wade, who's yeah, really yeah. good at legacy and finding these beats and building out these these really character driven these really character driven plot beats, and you've got Jim Zub who writes dialogue so well. 
and Al Ewing, who does this super high-concept, smooth, approachable thing, this is so much a product of three writers who, not to discount Pepe Larraz, the, the, the rest of the art team on it, like, it's beautiful, right. but oh, yeah. so much of just yes. what makes it work beat to beat is you can see their fingerprints all over it, and I love that about this book. Uh, well, and if I, if you pay attention specifically to what happened to her uh-huh you get a hint as to maybe who's oh yeah i, I think you're i think you're basically told what's go, what's yeah. actually really going on here because then i don't know what three pages later uh-huh. right, you get the the two teams show up yeah which uh we've already called light spoilers so yeah. Uh, basically, you get the Black Order. Which makes my Jonathan Hickman loving heart so happy. <laughs> of course it does. And the Lethal Legion. Which I know nothing about. But I, know. I already think they're super cool. And what is the like octopus robot dude? Menticle. Menticle is my new favorite supervillain. <laughs> like, I want my Modoc Menticle team up. <laughs> Modoc Menticle. <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, so, and these teams are clearly being pitted against each other. Yes. In some sort of, dare I say, contest. Of, I'm trying to come up with a ch word that's for churls. A contest of churls. <laughs> there you go, yes. Conveniently, they are not allowed to fight each other yet. But until the Black the Order, de- until the contest starts. Start, right, yeah. But the Black Order decides they're going to go ahead and preemptively take care of the obstacles that have been laid in their way by Correct. virtue of having this fight on Earth. Yes. So and now we're, I, I love this whole light, medium, heavy spoilers thing we keep doing with this book. I know heavy spoilers. Heavy spoilers. They blow up the Avengers Mansion, which if I am Johnny Storm, with I am all pissed of the Avengers about in the because I just rebuilt that motherfucker. <laughs> you know, Johnny Storm is so mad now. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? It, and it goes back to like even if you don't know anything about these two teams and the uh-huh. characters, like you said, the lethal Legion, you don't know anything about, yeah. you don't need to No, everything you need to appreciate this story. It's right. There. Is right here in this book. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like, I am super, super digging this Avengers. Same. It's weekly. like an event book. That's just its own contained thing. Yeah. Speaking of just on, on a side note, right. Uh, weekly event book things coming mm-hmm. out. Why was there no Phoenix this week? I think there's just an off week. Was probably it, for did they or... like plan for it or because I, I thought it was supposed to be weekly until it finished? But I think it, I don't. I could go back and look and tell anyway, you if whatever. it was built it, in. It doesn't it, matter. But also whatever. January is a five week month, so yeah. maybe Marvel like could shuffled be. its schedule a little bit, spread it out. A yeah. Bit. Okay. Could be. Could be. I don't it think it's matter, any but, big yeah. deal. Like it all would have been done and in the can, right? And off to print before the first issue came out. Right. Champions, number 16. Another book Gwenpool could just walk into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, I bet they hope she doesn't. You notice I, they didn't call her. I do notice that they did not call her. So um, This is the classic membership drive. It is. And they basically decide that, um, you know, we've got this whole double vision thing. <laughs> you know, like that. Double vision. Double viv, double viv thing going on. Um and they decide that they can't invite the new and synthesoid Viv mm-hmm. to be part of the champions because of, you know, the obvious psychological impact that would have on Viv. Which, as a side note, uh, given events of this issue, is probably a very good call on their yeah. part. Oh, 
yes. Yeah. 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 Like kudos for thinking that like, but this is the team that would think of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that being said, they decide that, you know, they, they've got to bulk up a bit in the power department. Mm-hmm. So they go on a bit of a recruiting Recruit drive. drive. Yep. And it is, it is done champion style. That's yes. all I, that's, that's about all I can think of to say. Um, I'm so happy to see Red Locust again. Oh my god! I I need her and Nadia to hang out. Oh, that character just has to be so uh, like I can't. I could not get enough of that character. And we see Nadia in this issue too. <laughs> She's see. Vision invites her over because she is the member of their family closest right. to. And I love that little member of their family because she is. She is. I know. Let's see if Scott is Vision's grandfather. She's his aunt. aunt. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> She's Nadia his aunt. Is Vivian's aunt. <laughs> aunt Nadia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, aunt. Get it? Ah, yeah. ah, 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 ah. Yes. Uh, waka waka. <laughs> wow. I like my cigar too, but anyway. And then, <laughs> so, yeah, so they go recruit, and then, and then they. Amadeus goes to recruit <laughs> to recruit Riri. Riri. And the two of them are just great together. Yeah, like the whole conversation is just them simplifying this binomial expression of imaginary numbers. Uh-huh. I loved it. Very good. Yeah. And they're both so happy because they both got the answer yeah. at the same time. And yes. Also, Hulk is wearing Hulkbuster armor, and that makes me so, so happy. <laughs> Yeah, and we get, let's see, who is it? I can't remember their We name get Falcon name. and Patriot. Falcon and Patriot, right. Which, I love, they're like Falcon, looking for a new name. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because he doesn't want to be called Falcon. Which, yeah, yeah for obvious reasons, right? Falcon. Now that Falcon is Falcon yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not Sam Wilson. He's looking for a new name. Correct. <laughs> yes. And Red Locust assumes they're coyotes who are preying on uh, uh, immigrants... Right and starts to attack and there's the whole conversation between between Falcon and her just in Spanish like quickly yes quickly taking care of it which I thought was a nice touch that just was to, awesome no no talk this thing out that is the champions <laughs> but I love Miss Marvel's like uh, she's talking to Red Locust she's like we have an offer for you if you're interested like she doesn't even get that out and Red Locust is like jumping on her hugging her yeah. I accept, I accept, I accept. Eject, eject. <laughs> and she's like, well, this is more than I, we were counting on. I don't know about this. Yeah. Oh. Need her and not hit a meat. Yes. So then we've got the Viv, Viv, Vision story. It's so sad. Where you have both Vivs, like, alien to one another. Because you get the, oh, poor right. her, she can't taste this. Oh, poor her, she feels pain. Yes. And then you have Vision, who doesn't know how to handle having two daughters now, and doesn't want to, like, like we said, he calls Nadia for advice on how to not make either of them feel uncomfortable Correct. in this situation. Correct. And in, unfortunately, in a, situ- in a situation where literally <coughs> it is impossible to bo- for both of them to not feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. It sets the tone perfectly when he walks in to wish them good night, and tells RoboViv, just press the button behind your ear to go into sleep mode, and turns to fleshy Viv and says, I, I don't know how to tell you to go to sleep. Yeah. But unfortunately, RoboViv later overhears him saying, I only ever planned to have one daughter. I don't know how to do this. And it's the end of the issue, right? This is how the issue ends with her saying, well, you know, he only wants one daughter. I'll have to fix that. Um, it's at least the yeah. end of their, their arc of this well, issue. And then 
there's something else going on with her and Vision. Yeah, they both seem to have a virus of some sort. Yes. Because they're both sneezing. They're both sneezing. Even then, a robot then, can sneeze. And then she starts she starts kind of glitching at the end. Yeah. Yeah, robot did. It's probably those uh, those high evolutionary brainwaves stuck mm, in her. We'll see. All right. <laughs> good, super good book. Still. Yes. Probably, very possibly, in the top three of my Marvel, I can't imagine not continuing with this yeah, book. Yeah, I love this book so much. Yeah. All right, Brian. Strap on your high-waisted pants. All right. Get ready to eat dinner at 4 p.m. at Shoney's and talk about X-Men Gold. <laughs> Brian has grumpy feelings about this book, so welcome to Old Man Brian's Corner. Yeah, These are so, not feelings I entirely disagree with, but I'm going to let him be the one to say them. All right, so I, I'm, I'm not going to go into a whole lot about I'll keep this short and quick. Um, but... Uh, I will let you know you will not be hearing me discuss X-Men Gold anymore because I am dropping this book. Why is that, Brad? Um, I am 150% against Kitty and Colossus. Uh, I am team anti-Kitty Colossus. Yes. I realize there are a lot of people who have been wanting this and rooting for this and hoping for this. And we almost didn't talk about it because, look, we're, we're not out here to say, well, you're wrong. Right. So remember at the it's beginning, all preference. Remember it's, at the beginning yeah. where we said we don't like talking about things we don't like? This this is the exception that proves the rule right yeah. here. <laughs> so, um, and I only want to mention it because I know this. they're going to make a huge deal out of this. So when you don't hear us talking about it, this is why. And it is a completely 100% personal thing, and I get that. I am so, so against this. Yeah. When I started reading comics, I didn't have any strong feelings about it. One of the first big Marvel events after I started reading was Avengers vs. X-Men. And I know it was a Phoenix-possessed version of Colossus, but even one of the story beats there was, in a way, that's only heightening your emotions. That's not changing what you think. And he was emotionally manipulative and abusive and creepy throughout all that. And that bothered me a lot. I, like, I was super glad when she ended that and went into space and got with Peter Quill. And like, that wasn't great either. I don't need that to come back and happen. No, but but it was, mm, it was her moving and trying something else yeah. and growing. And I, I, was, I look at it this way. I think, especially in the last few years, sometimes X-Men books have struggled. I think this is true generally since the Claremont era, but lately it seems to be a big thing for me. A lot of X-Men books seem to struggle to escape the gravity of what is like known as X-Men sort of socially existentially. Well, X-Men is this roster and this team and these characters together. Yeah. The Claremont, stuff. the, the nostalgia mm-hmm. for that Claremont era, which I, I think it's two things. I think it's nostalgia. And I think it's like the platonic ideal of X-Men. You say X-Men and you picture that's yes. Jubilee and rogue and kitty, not maybe kitty and Wolverine and Gambit and Charles and, and maybe Nightcrawlers around. Maybe not though. Cause like if you grew up on that cartoon, like I did, he was never around much. I love him. Oh, yeah. I always wished he were around, yeah, yeah. but he wasn't yeah. like, Two episodes, maybe. Now, when you when you say X Men to me, I think, I think Storm, Cyclops, yeah, Kitty, Storm. Nightcrawler, Wolverine, mm-hmm. Rogue, and I don't know. Like I get, like comics is all about coming back to a status quo. You've got a Dan Slot made a great comment about this this week. Insisting on not returning to status quo, insisting on 
forcing some change and making it stay is at some level a disservice to other writers, but also to readers, because you need an accessible, approachable version of a thing. I don't know that this is that as much as this is sort of a nostalgia-driven thing, and I, I'm not a big fan of nostalgia for its own sake. Correct. It's the same part of me, and I recognize this is an even more minority view, that, like, lamented seeing the news item that Jubilee is no longer a vampire as of this week. She's got her mutant powers back, which is cool, but she's also not a vampire anymore. And I, I can live with that because I do think it's more in that sort of the, the message dance lot was right. Was making this week. I think it's more in making her approachable and making her recognizable and sort of finishing a reset on her that never really happened. I will personally miss that, but right. I don't have to have that. Cause to me, that's just, it's not even nostalgia. Like that's a funny thing to me. That is yes. like, here's this bright bubblegum poppy character who has this weird dark vampirism thing going on that I think gives her an extra layer and maybe makes her more interesting, but also can just be now this thing she's gone through. And right. I think and you can move forward. Here's the thing. I, 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 had, I had nothing against Kitty and Colossus back in the old, old, sure. hun, you know, er, hundreds issue where they had the thing. Here's the thing. That's that high school relationship that you look back on and are like, yeah. you know what? I'm really glad I had that and it was fun. It is not it is not something you go like, back. It's to. the kind of relationship that if I were I if I if Kitty Pride were a real person and yeah. getting back with her old ex and yeah. her ex were Peter and she said, Should I do this? I'd say, No. No. You can do much better than that. You've done that. Move on. Right. It's fine, like, and if you're for it, I get I get all the reasons for being for I it. Do, I, just, I do too, I, and I'm not I, I'm not saying you're wrong or you're you know whatever. We are, we I, are both people who are not a fan of the pairing. Nope, and and I, the reason I think I feel so strongly about it is Kitty is literally one of my favorite characters. Same, but like I don't know, I I'm more Team Gwen than Team Mary Jane at this point. Although most of my life, I because I grew up on that cartoon, was right. more Team Mary Jane, yeah. like. Either way, that went like you. You give me either of those plot lines, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you could bring back Carly, and I'd be totally cool with it. I know you'd like that, but yeah, I, I just I, like I said, I mm-hmm. it. I don't know. It feels like a step backwards narrative. Uh, you know what? That's exactly that. That's probably the absolute best way yeah. to put it. It's not a thing I'm nostalgic for, so I know me singer saying, "Well, you don't do nostalgia for nostalgia." It's like, that's a thing I believe. Like the Power Rangers books that's going yeah. on right now. I don't like it because it's Power Rangers. I like it because it takes the ideas and is written by someone who remembers how as a kid watching Power Rangers made you feel and writes a Power Rangers comic that makes you feel that way now as an adult. So going, you know, like if the kitty was a real person, I would have to be the person, her friend that says, yeah, I don't support this. Yeah, Sorry. same, same. So I'm going to not support it. <laughs> okay, done. But uh, if, it, yeah. if it's your thing, if you're down for it, awesome, cool, glad you're happy to see it happen. Yep. At M.A. Haynes. Yeah. Remember when Marvel put out that, you know, uh, save the date in yeah. June for the big, and, and my thing was the only one. I hope it really, really isn't. Yeah. It was It was this yeah. one. But please at Emmy Hades, because he, he is not an X-Men person, and we'll just be very confused by it, <laughs> and know that we're behind it. So do that. That'll be a fun yeah, be a fun week for us. Um, we'll, get, we'll get a little secret to a lot of that. <laughs> so before we go on yeah. to, is it still good? Want to talk about some news real quick? Because yeah, I gave us that. a soft entry into that talking about Dan Slott. There's a reason and why that, is that Dan I... Slott was talking about putting the toys back and resetting things. Mm-hmm. As 
was pretty strongly hinted in March solicitations. Dan Slott is leaving Spider-Man. Oh. Which is, like, it's a bummer. Now, that said, he's, he's written almost 200 issues over the last 10 years. It's probably time for him to do something else. He's right? written more than a fifth of all of Spider-Man. Like, mm-hmm. other than Stan and Jack, like, no one else has, I think, as much of a an impact on Spider-Man no, yeah, at no. this point. Yeah. And that goes beyond even the comics. Like, a lot of the recent video games and TV shows and all that, he's been a consultant or writer on. Mm -hmm. If you have interacted with a Spider-Man anything other than maybe the movies in the last decade, like, it's probably had at least tangentially Dan Slott's impact on it. People move on. It's, It's good, I think. For the storytelling and for him as a writer to move on. Just like we said with Bendis going to DC. Right. I do not limit Speaking that. Speaking of. <laughs> he is moving Here's on. the relationship uh, yeah. to that. <laughs> I'm trying to just like really subtly do these things. And I'm glad you're catching them. But <laughs> calling attention to them makes it less fun. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, less, less impressive. Um, Iron Man. He is going to Iron Man. He's bringing his hyphen with him. He has joked. <laughs> He's bringing his hyphen with him. Yeah. Damn hyphen uh, slot? Is that what you meant? No. no I, I know. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Although, I don't know. If I were him at this point, I would start hyphenating. That would that be just great. Everything. I think I would have to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, he will be taking over Iron Man for business starting this summer. I assume that means one thing. I assume that that means that, and this, in the spirit of putting the toys back in the box, and given that I'm reading Iron Man right now and see this coming into play anyway, like... I'm assuming this is Tony back in Iron Man. I'm assuming Riri Williams will be somewhere else. And I hope I hope she ends up with her own book with a woman of color writing because I think that would be a good thing to have. I assume that Dan Slott will be writing Tony Stark. And I think... As Iron Man, yeah. I think as far as picking someone to write Iron Man who has never written Iron Man, written the ongoing for Iron Man before, Dan Slott is an excellent choice for, uh, and for we that. Mentioned maybe Riri goes to Champions. Yeah. Uh, She could easily show up in there. She could easily have her own book. I'd still love to see her have her own book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'm excited for this. There's also another Marvel, like, staffing announcement, I guess. You know, uh, okay, go ahead. Kelly Thompson is now exclusive to Marvel. Mm -hmm. Which, and this is speculative on my part, but I always always hesitate to say, I really really want to see such and such write this thing because... Sometimes other writers are announced for that thing, and I'm also very excited about that. Right, so right. The first person for me to come to mind to take over Jessica Jones is Kelly Thompson. I, I'm really hoping I, this is indicative that that is I, in the works. I cannot put enough support behind that thought, yes. I know she has said, like, about the same time Binda said we've picked a minor replacement, and she said, oh, I've got this secret Marvel project. There may be no... No connection between those things, but man, Let's I hope, hope so. There is. Well, that's her hope Jessica in Hawkeye is. was very good. What else? You you started to say something. Some um, other news the, piece. You know what? I, 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 I it made me think with the potential for like Riri going to Champions, right? Mm-hmm. And this huge influx of like what, like five or six potential. Yeah. I mean, they never they, keep everyone in the well, membership. But my point is, but... do they spin out another team book of teen younger heroes? I don't know that I want that. I don't know. I'm, but my, I don't, I'm my, not my against thought being, it. you know, Riri is a fairly major character at this yeah. point. Maybe she takes on a team or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm against it. Yeah. I, I'm letting ideas flow out of my yeah. head. Like a bubbling <laughs> brook. Like a babbling brook. Like, babble, like a babbling Brian. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, 
Uh, was there anything else news related that doesn't have to do with red underpants? <sighs> yeah, we're not talking about that. Um, I, I got nothing against red underpants, like, but why is it a big deal? I don't, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> this is the most excited I've seen people who aren't podcast hosts about underwear during an advertising break. <sighs> whatever. Ever. Um, I don't know that I can think of anything else. I don't either. I am. Yeah. Uh, I think Entertainment Weekly ran more information in some first pages on the Saladin Ahmed Exiles book that's coming up. Oh, nice. Yes. Which the artist on that is the same artist who did Spider Woman. <gasps> really? Yeah. Javier Rodriguez. That sounds right. I always hesitate because there was also a Braves player, Javier Rodriguez. Yeah, and I always right. am terrified that I I'm switching names incorrectly, but I, I do think Javier Rodriguez is the artist. All right. Anyway. I know what's next. Is it still good? Yeah, it's still good. Okay. Cool. Uh, Brian. Yeah. Batwoman number 11. Still good? Uh, Still good. Um, Let's see. Uh, um, Hmm. I don't want to say this. Um, Kate. Goes to market and comes home and buys roast beef. (laughs) And has none of it. <laughs> that is exactly what I was trying to figure out how to make a little piggies joke. That's perfect. Um, yeah, so she... <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I beat you to it. Damn it. Um, so she goes She goes after Julia Pennyworth, right? Yeah. And... She goes hog wild. She goes hog wild going after Julia Pennyworth. Uh, and that, again, I was trying to figure out how to work in the little piggies and you already did it, so I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you took too long. Yeah, I did. Uh, Future Quest presents number six, Brian. Ah, um, Birdman starts learning more about his life before he accepted the power of Ra. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Green Lantern's number 37. I don't know what I was on when I made these notes, but I marked both of those books as me. And I did not read either of those books. Future Quest and Green Lanterns. I don't know why you did that either. Though. I don't either. Green Lantern 37, Brian. Um, this is the end of the story arc, and uh, we get a the we get a final version of how these two peoples on this world are going to come together. Right on. Justice League number 37. I don't even really know how to break this down into a sentence. Um. Which is rare for me. Normally I've got something in my pocket. You know what? I will say I am a big fan of this Justice League. Uh, uh, uh. This whole arc (laughs) continues to be fantastic. And is introducing some really neat ideas about toxic fandom. About fanaticism. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say and, it that way. Yeah, I was going to say, and what you, that, that fan actually is short for fanatic, yes. Yeah. Sheena number five. Um, this finishes the first arc of the Sheena book, and I'm, 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 I'm going to step outside of the, the, the whole sentence, whatever, whatever, uh, just to say, this book has been, this first arc and this book is, for the most part, exactly what you would expect from a Sheena book, mm-hmm. um, which I've got nothing against, it, it's, it's... I'm I'm glad I picked it up. I'm glad I read it. Yeah. Um. And it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely beautiful. Um. I, I I doubt I will continue. I may come back at some point, pick yeah. it up and trade or something. But uh, I, I've yeah. Uh. I, I'm glad I got it. If you're a Sheena fan, definitely continue. Yeah. If you have liked it till now, you will continue to like it. And uh, yeah. There yeah. you go. 
All need Wolverine read number 29. Brian? Oh my god, why are you giving me all these? Um, I'm not giving you all. all right, I can take this one if you um, want. You want me to take this one? Nope. Um, okay. Gabby really doesn't like ninja zombie dust in her mouth. Doctor Strange number 384. Strange shows you how to pay the price for the magic of a god. That was, that was a very cool reveal. Yes. Uh, like, like it's the kind of thing that you're like, oh shit, yeah, somebody should have thought of that before. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. Brian? Hawkeye and Black Panther, for very different reasons, show up and make offers slash battle Spider-Man and his sister, and we find out what's really going on. How about this? We get the inside story. Uh, uh, uh. Spirits of Vengeance number four. Uh, oh, uh, there's one more after this one. Um, we get the whole... We, we, we finally get the entire plot revealed to us. Um, and so the final issue is just going to be the resolution of how that falls out. Okay. Yeah. Star Wars number 42. This book really made me appreciate the kinds of stories that can be told post The Last Jedi. It's set between 4 and 5 still. Mm -hmm. But there are some ideas here that having seen that movie, and I know I'm breaking format, but that was my my sentence. This is clarification. Having You could read this book without ever having seen it. But some of the conversations Luke and Leia have, there's there's one page in particular where they're talking about the choices they make and why they make them that The Last Jedi echoes back into, and you see how, oh wait, these characters who sound just like they do between these movies, you see how just perfectly formed some of those ideas of The Last Jedi really are. Okay. Venom Inc. Omega number one... Punching and thwipping and splashing. Oh my. Long box book report. It's the long box book report. It's the long box book report. That's just for you, No one's here to stop us. No one can stop us. Wow, <laughs> we are drunk with power and bourbon. <laughs> that too. Only the power, really. There's not enough there's bourbon. There's not enough bourbon to. No, no. I mean, there's enough, just not oh, enough. Yeah, drinks. just not consumed so far. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Handle would do it for me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, Animal Man, number 26. Wait, how did we allow you to get this book again? I have this paid. Is... I have paid the price. <laughs> this, is, this is far, far above your quality pay grades for long box book reports. Sir. I have paid the price plenty of times. <laughs> Granted, I think if anyone has earned this, really, it's Jen after last Grant week's book. Did. <laughs> yeah. This is the last issue of Grant Morrison's run on Animal Man. I'd say spoilers, but you know what? Fuck it. It yeah. spoiled shit for me. Oh, and come on. It, like, this I is, know. This like, is old, old, old. Yeah. This is one of those books I've been meaning to get around to buying and reading, and this and, is probably going to be the thing that finally shoves me I was going to ask, does this make you say, yeah, okay, now i got to do it's this? It's something I've always wanted to do. It's just the trades are a little pricey. Like They came out long enough ago that it was before trades started dropping. Drop, so it's just a little pricey. Uh, anyway, 
this is, after all of the events of the story, Grant Morrison brings Animal Man into his world, although really it's just a fictional version of his world because he's still sitting behind a keyboard, and reveals himself as the person pulling all the strings and who's done all these things. I'm not your creator and I'm not your god. Other people created you, but I am responsible for everything you do and say and all the things that have happened to you. Buddy, of course, Caesar was a complete and utter monster. And a lot of it is weird, metafictional stuff. That's the kind of shit I just eat up. I really dug this. I do, however, in the in the vein of Marvel DC crossovers, do need a one-shot that is Gwynpool versus fictional Grant Morrison. <laughs> or at the very least, I need a Gwynpool miniseries written by Grant Morrison. I I had never oh, really shit. thought about just how Grant Morrison-y that character is, but I'm down to clown for any combination of those two. That. Or or could easily become, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that like might as well have been written for me personally. This might as well be a bespoke comic. I don't actually know what I did to luck out and draw this one myself either. Yeah, you you realize this means that after this, now however, you're back to. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay, I know. I've used up. I've used up every karmic long box point I have in the bank. <laughs> back to zero, sir. I uh, did not check the butts in this issue. Why not? I mean, honestly, I don't think they were never. I don't think they were ever really visible. Yeah, probably not. But, but let's do a quick, because Jen will have words if I. Forget the butts entirely, I'm sure. And, like, let's be honest, right? If, if you're making a fictional version of yourself that you put or putting in a comic I mean, butt, he's in a trench I'm a, coat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself have a damn nice butt. I can tell you that. Well, Grant Morrison put himself in a trench coat, oh, well, so. Okay. Oh, hey. <laughs> it's open. He's wearing oh, clothes okay. underneath. Okay, okay, good, 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 good. Oh, you know what? This uh, shark character with a tiger head does have a bit of a butt. Okay. Yeah, see, there's uh Let's see. Oh, damn, it's a damn nice butt, too. Because at one point, Grant Morrison just starts inventing characters for Buddy to fight while he gives his thanks I mean, for don't get me wrong, it's probably, it, it's not like Sheena, but, you know. Because <laughs> that's got some nice butt in it. There's <laughs> Buddy's butt, it's kind of flat. Okay. Nothing to write home about. Okay. Yep. And we don't have to roll, we did that last we week. We did that last week. already got, settled. I'm already set for next week. So, something, something rocks, something, something relics. Yeah, something rocks and relics. Something or something hounds. Yeah. Rock hounds and relics on Lemon Street in scenic Ackworth, Georgia. Yeah. You go there. Go. Buy rocks. Buy sparkly things. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think your collection's complete? Well, no, not if you haven't been to Rock Hounds and Relics. Take that, Little Mermaid. And Disney. Hey, I easy guess. Now. Yeah, we can We certainly can't afford any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> They'll just buy us. <laughs> just buy, ooh, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'll allow it. I'm, I'm, for, I'm for sale for that. <laughs> our music is the spontaneous soccer union by the fish who saved the planet. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn, or on our website at panelologypodcast.com. Also, a bunch of other places. Whatever podcatcher device you use, we're probably there. If we're not, tweet at us. We'll fix that. Yeah, we can fix that. In all likelihood. There are a couple that are well, yeah, are just, yeah. subject to review and just take a while. Also, hey, while we're broken from the script, 
If you haven't, uh, it's been a little while since we've asked you to rate and review us yeah. on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't done that, then we'd really appreciate it. It makes a big difference for us in helping new listeners find us and helping us show up in searches and all that. And if you have done that, then maybe share us with a friend. Share a link on Twitter. I still think our uh, year-end review episode from last year is a great first place if you want to point someone to that episode. Speaking of great episodes, are you gonna? Are you gonna? I was gonna say everyone should tune in next week. Okay, yeah, okay. I was gonna hit that. I next didn't know week. if you were. I, okay, I just. I was. Make I sure. was getting there. I, I was, was getting okay, there. You know. Oh, everyone should tune in. Yeah, next you started week. the sentence, Brian. I was gonna let you finish it. <laughs> because uh, we we have a special guest star next we week. We do our spoilers. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Since we call that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've we've mentioned it before though, we so have. yeah, maybe not that much of a spoiler. Hopefully. Next week, we should be having Magdalene Visaggio with us. We are scheduled to record with her next weekend. We say with us, we mean, you know, connected. She's yeah. not actually being Yeah, here, not, but not yeah. here, right, but yeah. on the show with us. On the us. show, right, yes. Just to, just to be clear, transparency, yes, you know. Yes, So we are very excited for that. We'll We're be talking. super excited about that. I am sure we will be talking about Transformers versus Visionaries mm-hmm. and Eternity Girl. Eternity Girl, right. Who will show up in the crossover that begins... In a couple of the weeks. Milk Wars. The Milk Wars. Eh, just Milk Wars, no the, but okay. whatever. We're running out of steam. More booze, quickly. <laughs> We're winding down like a Futurama <laughs> robot. <laughs> but yes, we will be having uh, our first our first professional industry guest next week. We're very excited, and we could not be happier than uh, it is Magdalene Visaggio. Yeah, we could not be. We're super yeah. excited about this, and hopefully you are too. Yes, and... Hopefully this is the first of many, many guests for us. Yeah. Something we're going to be trying to do more of this year. More often, yes. Which is to say, at all, I guess, compared to previous compared episodes. To pre- it's an infinite increase yes. with this one, yes. I love that. Okay, well, that all was right. a clumsy outro. Yeah, but it worked. Hey, it's just you and me, so that's kind of how it's going to be. <laughs> yep, just an old two-hander. <laughs> oh, what? Okay, this needs to go now. <laughs> I'm Alex. I'm Brian. See you next week. Next week. Tune in.